Dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution, just been suddenly thrown back into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? Hello, and welcome back to the Neo Jurassic Podcast. I'm your host, Bry, and I'm very, very happy you decided to join the show for another episode. Do you remember the first time you saw a dinosaur? For most of us, the first time we actually experience a dinosaur in any form, it's not encased in fossilized rock at a dig site or towering above a crowd of tourists in a meticulously reconstructed skeletal mount. No, the first time we encounter a dinosaur, it's usually, you know, 3 to 12 inches long, made up of plastic polymers of some kind, and spotted in the toilet of a department store. Dinosaurs show up in the lives of children not much differently than superheroes, Ewoks, talking cars, or dragons do, as miniatures of make-believe creations. However, unlike Darth Vader, the medieval dragon, the unicorn, the Disney princess, the transformer, the sentinel, the Godzilla thing, The dinosaurs were once living, breathing creatures. And in my experience, when the kid learns that sharp-toothed plastic beastie currently gnawing on a member of the Paw Patrol was not only once alive, but nearly 50 feet in length, well, one of two things usually occur. One, the kid shrugs and continues smashing pieces of plastic together. Or the kid becomes helplessly obsessed with the mystery and awe of these long-gone behemoths. For us dinosaur lovers, these toys are probably about as close as we'll ever get to actually experiencing one of these animals firsthand. Truthfully, I could allow myself to get real glassy-eyed and go on for a while about the vital legacy of these miniature plastic dinosaurs, and honestly at some point I'm sure I will. However, we've got a 90 minute interview to get through, so I'm just going to go ahead and head in. Our very special guest today, if you're wondering, is Chris Pugh. Chris is notably one of the founding members of what is arguably the best-known fan-run Jurassic news source on the web, Jurassic Outpost. He is also one of the hosts of Outpost's long-running but somewhat sporadically produced Jurassic podcast, The In General Podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts, I, I must say. In more recent years, like very recent years, Chris has joined the collective responsible for maintaining the Jurassic World film's canon consistency and viral online marketing campaigns, Chaos Theorem. More recently, however, Chris, alongside Jurassic Outpost co-founder Jack DeLamar, has partnered up with the folks at Universal, Mattel, and Target to produce and host a new collectors-focused web series just for Jurassic fans. The series Beyond the Gates offers exciting reveals of exclusive upcoming products as well as behind-the-scenes insights from Mattel and dips into the lore behind these beloved characters and critters. So we're just going to go ahead and begin our conversation with Chris at the very beginning of his Jurassic story. With one very slick grandma and a contraband VHS tape that would have a major, major impact on Chris's life. I mean, I've been a Jurassic fan since 
I don't know, since I can, I always, I guess I think I always liked dinosaurs. I reacted very strongly to the Carnegie Museum of Natural History when I was like a toddler. Um, I mean, that's still like one of my earliest memories is just looking up at the, uh, it was the old fixtures. I don't know if you're familiar with the way it looked. But I've actually never been there. Yeah. The, yeah. The dinosaurs were like, you know, their arms were up in the bunny poses. The Allosaurus looked like it was plodding. All their ta- their backs were sloped. Like it was the old uh-huh. Char- Charles R. Knight style yeah. of uh, displays. And I still remember those things looming over me. So I always had a fascination with uh, dinosaurs. So then Land Before Time. And then my uh, grandma snuck a Jurassic snuck me the Jurassic Park VHS when I was like two or three. Oh, wow. My mom, my mom was livid until she realized that I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't suffer like unrelenting nightmares after that? No, you know what? I've never, okay, this is really funny because I was just thinking back. I, I've never found animals scary, but what's really funny is I'm a big dog person. And this would be like really uh-huh. surprising for people who know me now. But when I was a kid, I was afraid of dogs. So oh. I, I don't know what the hell, hell that has to do with anything that I just said right now. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I never found dinosaurs scary. And I really found animals scary. I just found them fascinating. And I think Jurassic Park, and this is something that, you know, if you follow me on social media, you hear me say way too much. What made it so special was it treated the dinosaurs like animals. Right. Yeah. And so I don't think I found them scary at that age because I just saw them as these big animals. So I was just fascinated. I don't know. How old were you, if you may ask, when you saw Jaws, if you can remember? Oh, I was way older, actually, because my mom was terrified of that movie, so she never, like, really introduced me okay, to Okay, that it. explains it then. I saw Congo at my dad's house when I think I was, like, five, um, and I definitely vividly remember the eyeball scene. Just, yeah. Like, like, I think that one stuck <clears throat> with me, creeped me out. I'm trying to think of what other ones creeped me out like that. <sighs> I don't know. It's, like, a lot of the movies that creep me out are, like, the ones that shouldn't, like, Brave Little Toaster. Uh-huh. <laughs> scary ass Elvin. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, scary ass furnace, I should say. Yeah, it was a furnace. Ironically, I then a few years later was was a furnace for Halloween. I don't know if there's any relation there. I mean, I'm sure it must be. I mean, the, the furnaces are often utilized as terrifying basement monstrosities. So, I mean, I'm sure it's part yeah. Of mine that. wasn't a stylized furnace though. It was just a oh really? Oh yeah. Okay. Just like my mom made me a furnace costume. That's what wow. I asked to be. <laughs> How old were you? Do you recall? Like seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Yeah. <clears throat> How old were you when Jurassic Park came out? Uh, like a baby. That was baby. Like when when I was baby, Chris. Okay, cool. Like, so I, I how old were you? Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. So how old were you when, when your grandma slipped you the VHS? I, it was like two or three, um, okay. somewhere right around there. It's Damn, like, like, that is yeah. young. And also, how do you slip a two to three year old a VHS? Okay, to be fair, she bought it. Okay. She bought it, and then she was watching me. And then she said, <laughs> Do you want to watch the dinosaur movie that you're not supposed to see, but you keep seeing commercials on, commercials of, or toys of, toys of? I was right, really obsessed right, right. with toys. And uh, it was like, yeah. And I think she thought it might be a little bit lighter than what it was. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, by the end of it, I, the reaction was good because my mom came in about halfway through. And I remember that vaguely, vaguely. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. So then she's like, well, I bought it for him. Can you keep it? And I gave my mom those puppy dog eyes, I guess. Something <laughs> like that. I definitely remember pleading. And yeah, so. That's wonderful. Um, and so you would have <clears> been <throat> like, were, were you able to go see The Lost World in theaters? Yes. Yes, that is the first movie I remember seeing in theaters. Talk to me about the lead up to Lost World for you, because that's like a very special time. For I was many still of us. super so young. young. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I was still super young. So it's like God, some of the details are foggy, but I definitely remember talking about it with like people in preschool. <laughs> <laughs> they had um, 
there were ironically most of the toys were hand-me-downs so they're from like an age bygone so most of them are like ghostbuster toys and things uh-huh. like that which is fun and there's some jurassic park toys but yeah no i remember um you know talking dinosaurs and things like that and then just seeing the trailers and talking about it with my mom you know like oh what uh-huh. dinosaur is that type of deal uh-huh and yeah no so she we went to see it uh i don't know if it was opening day um, I don't know how, like, recently after it was out, I don't know if she, like, saw it before I saw it to see if it was okay. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, but I do remember it was a thunderstorm, and I love the hell mm-hmm. out of that movie, and it stuck with me. Like, there was a thunderstorm outside. When so I you remember being in the theater. Oh, there's, there's a thunderstorm outside, and then, of course, inside, and, of course, all the marketing material had, like, mm-hmm. thunderstorms leading up to it. So Oh, my God, it was like, so perfect. It just, yeah, no. It's, yeah. like, selling, like, the idea of seeing movies during the summertime because, like, it's like, oh, man, you really do feel like you're in that environment. Where did it go from that point? It was always toys. Um, so I really loved yeah. the toys. It, you know, it started with Jurassic Park. I mean, I have early memories. And they're mainly images, but I have early memories of like seeing the Jurassic Park toys on shelves, the old style of Toys R Us, um, back when the, you know, yeah. like, video games were like slip out cards and like a long like lit up aisle. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, yeah, but yeah, no, it was the toys. I remember my biggest thing was I wanted the um, the uh, trailer playset. And for Chris, you know, for Christmas, uh, that was something yeah. I've always wanted, wanted. Uh, my mom got it for me. To be fair, though, at that time, it was like you couldn't find the trailer anymore. She got me the Chaos Effect one. Um, and then I remember the Chaos Effect toy line. Oh, and damn. Then okay. being curious if um, oh. <laughs> Ultimasaurus would, uh, you know, ever be released. Which, ever by the way, up. funny story, that was a precursor yeah. to the Indominus Rex. Uh, in a lot of ways, Spielberg had a maquette of it, a realistic style one. Oh, really? Back in those days. Yes, it's back in those days, and he got obsessed with hybrids. I would love to see that maquette. I'm sure we'll never see it. I would love to see it as well. <clears throat> yeah, I would love to see it. And then walk me through um, your continued evolution uh, of, of Baby Chris through Jurassic. Yeah, okay. So I always loved the Carnegie Museum like uh, and museums in general science. So like not only was I growing up with di- dinosaurs and obsessing over Jurassic Park, I was buying every like, you know, books are way above my reading level. Every dinosaur book, every dinosaur encyclopedia, studies, journals, everything like that. You know, I would go to the museum every weekend with my mom so much so that I, you know, had I had relationships, you know, like I knew like the paleontologist like kind of like grew up like seeing me like come there to the point where like when I was 12, 13, 13, I mean, I was offered like a internship of sorts immediately, like just on on a program that didn't even exist. Yeah. So I uh, started doing that. You know, I was a teen docent, uh, which is like, you know, teen volunteer. And at the same time, then I was interning. uh, I don't know if I want to use the word interning because I'm not really sure what to call it, but I was working under Dr. Matt LaMana at the uh, Carnegie and I was working on abelisaurids from oh, cool. Baharia formation, um, among other things. It was a cool time. Ooh. And then I switched. What species are part of that formation? Um, so Baharia, you would know because you remember Spinosaurus, um, if I recall, Spinosaurus, uh-huh. um, Spinosaurids, uh, so what was interesting, I'm trying to think of what other, isn't there Bahariosaurus, I think? But um, I'm trying to think of what other dinosaurs. <clears throat> but yeah, so yeah. we had a unnamed, undiscovered Abelisaur. It still is yet to be classified. Um, but we had some fragmentary mm-hmm. bones, and my main job was to catalog them to, you know, kind of get some of the grit off of them. Then I would sketch them, uh, measure them, write down everything, and then go through all the scientific journals and try to figure out what dinosaurs he's had most similar traits with. And so 
Uh, Damn, how old were you when this was happening? Started when I was 13 and it went on to when I was about wow. 17. Um, cool. And then Matt had already done all this, so he sort of knew where I should be coming with it. So eventually I was like, you know what? It looks most like it's definitely I'm like, I think it's an Abelisaurid and it looks most like a uh, Rahasaurus. Mm. Rajasaurus. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of how I say that now. Um, and yeah, so we it still hasn't been cat- categorized, but it was striking how much, striking how much it looked like that dinosaur. Um, and we were working off uh-huh. of very fragmentary bones, like uh, like the tip of a right metatarsal too, and things like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was doing all that, and at the same time, I was obsessing over Jurassic toys, and uh, you know, at a very young age, I joined um, about ten. So at about ten years old, I think. Yeah, about 10 years old, I joined uh, JP Toys Forum. And uh, that's, you know, I think I stuck with that forum for a very long time. Uh, And I I mainly, you know, I lurked JP Legacy, but I didn't start posting there until some of the, like, later ends of the days. But I was pretty pretty active on JP Toys, but not the most active. I was a slow poster, but I was there for a long time. Do you recall your username? Yeah, it was uh, Carnotaurus1350, and then it was uh, Demon Carnotaur. Oh, cool. And then it was Chris like Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think I remember you from being Demon Carnotaur, actually, from that yeah. period of time. <clears throat> yeah, no, because even at that age, I was digging into trying to find scoops and stuff like that uh, for Jurassic Toys. Yeah. Um, I, I was always just, you know, calling, calling Hasbro. I got them to share some pictures. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't really know what the, the secret sauce was with that, but it was a time. Um. Not, yeah. Although I'm not like some of the more prolific uh, collectors out there that have like, you know, I don't have like all the rare, I don't have really any rare pieces, um, like unreleased pieces, I should say. Yeah. So there are, there are other kids doing a lot more than me right. back then, you know, buying the Ultimasaurus and everything along those lines, yeah. unreleased trike. Did you go to Dan's Lost World page or Dan's JP3 page back in the day? A little bit. I was not the obsessive Dan's okay. JP3 page person. For some reason, like my main imprint on the internet back then was like AIM, I think. Um, it, you know, AOL Instant Messenger uh-huh. uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. JP Toys. Like that was like my interaction with the internet really uh, for a long time. I, I remember going to Dan's Lost World page and then JP3 page like every day, I think, from the time the novel came out to the day that the website stopped operating regularly, just obsessively looking to find out any information I could about the adaptation of the Carnotaurus scene from the Lost World novel into anything Jurassic. <laughs> like, just obsessively. That was like my white whale from the age of like, I don't know, like 10 to 35. <laughs> how do you feel about, this is a little sidetrack, but how do you feel about when the Carnotaurus finally made its debut in the franchise, like, you know, like, did it live live up to it for you? Um, no, of course not. Uh, I mean, I, I, here's the thing. Carnotaurus, what we know about it now, um, the idea of it having, like, chromatophores comparable to a cuttlefish or some type of ambush predator doesn't really make any sense given what we know about Carnotaurus. So I'm kind of happy that they didn't give that trait to the Carnotaurus in the end. So... I can live with that moving forward. However, I still love Carnotaurus. Um, and I do think that, I mean, I, I mean, I am very critical of the Jurassic world movies on the podcast and it is 
hard to do. Um, but, uh, I don't think that there's much of like, I, I just felt like a, a non sequitur nonsense thing. Like it, it, it just felt like a, it felt like a, like a comic book character um, cameo like, more than anything oh, else. Fans really want this dinosaur in the movie. So let's just throw it in this scene. And it's not, there's not exactly. really a scene written around it. The design, yeah. there's not necessarily, I mean, in terms of accuracy, there are things wrong with the design, but Overall, there's not necessarily anything wrong with the design. In theory, it's one of the stronger yeah. designs. But the problem For is sure, I've yeah. seen a thousand versions of Carnotaurus that looks exactly like that in media. Um, you know, oh, specifically, absolutely. I, I, yeah. when I remember their alleged leaks lead up to Fallen Kingdom, and I thought one of them was fake because they showed and described the Carnotaurus as looking like the sideshow version. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, the sideshow. But yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, th th it's not that. So obviously it's not true. But uh, in retrospect, no, it, it was real. And it's like it was kind of boring, I guess. And also we're getting a lot of spiky, spiky, scaly dinosaurs. And I mean, mm. I don't know. Give me one. Do something mm. different with the soft tissue. Yeah, for sure. That, that I mean, that's one of my biggest issues. But again, like it's kind of mortifying to me how often in these Jurassic World movies they have just taken existing designs of animals and just often toys and just toss them into the – yeah, yeah. Uh, Sideshow Carnotaurus. I mean it, the list goes on and on and then just like churn out this thing. Um, the extremely uninspired creature design in these movies is – um, something that unfortunately keeps me up at night. Uh, no, I definitely have my issues uh, there. There's no question about it. I think that, as, you know, we also see it with the returning species where they kind of look like their Jurassic Park counterparts, but really don't. So they tend to look a little bit like a knockoff. Like it's almost like an uncanny valley effect. Yeah. Where it's like close. Absolutely. But absolutely not right. So it's super off. Uh, and it's like, well, if you would have done your own thing, I wouldn't be comparing it. But like right away, it just sort of looks like that knockoff version of the Jurassic Park T-Rex knockoff, you know, the Papo version of the dress, dress Park Brachiosaurus. Um, Absolutely. It just I don't know. It's like that's there's so many layers of that. There's like the snake eating its own tail. Yeah. It, like, it you know, Jurassic influences everything else. Like every Dilophosaurus has the frill. Every raptor you see now has a yeah. blue stripe on it. And so like that thing just perpetuates over and over and over again. And it's just it's so hard <laughs> um, to me. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's why I would like to see at least the Jurassic franchise maybe lead a little bit more once again with, you know, maybe embracing what made the originals like really stand out from the bunch. Embrace the art style of the original. Um to a T with the returning species and maybe, I don't know. It feels like it's kind of following trends, whether it's other pop culture or just itself, but kind of loosely. So it just sort of feels like it's copying itself, but not properly. Like, it's like, I don't know. It, it's a weird, it's a weird position that it's at, but like that's yeah. things that, you know, us as super fans are more cued into than like the average casual viewer when they see the T-Rex they are like, yeah, that's a T-Rex. But oh, me, I'm like, for sure. T -Rex. Yeah. It, it's it's interesting. And then also like generationally it's fascinating to see. Like different generations of Jurassic fans and how they respond to different things is is yeah. very intriguing. All right. So so we've kind of approached your relationship to Jurassic at the time of Jurassic Park three. How did you feel about that? Did not like it. My mom was yeah, like absolutely she was like, Are you sure? Like I I, I did I said I didn't want to get the toys anymore. I didn't like the toys either. Oh, and she's like I mean, they weren't that great. They weren't, yeah. they weren't. And but she was like, Well, Christopher, I think you're gonna probably end up collecting these things, so let's just get them. And I was like reluctantly buying <laughs> them. She was just probably like trying to reignite my love for it because like Jurassic Park Three broke my heart. Yeah. Um and I was just like, It wasn't a good movie, it was so different, you know, <laughs> just everything like that. 
Um, and I don't think it was until the Tapahara that I like the green with it Hasbro Tapahara. Um, when yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I was like, oh yeah, I you know like that is the best one out of that whole group. Yeah, I, I never yeah. got it. It's really good. I've got it um, hanging on my st- <laughs> hanging on my ceiling. Oh, I'm taking oh yeah. It <laughs> What was it about Jurassic Park 3 that uh, disappointed you? I just didn't like it as a movie. It didn't really have a whole yeah. lot of plot. It felt a little cheesy. It felt like a monster movie. And even as a kid, mm-hmm. I was super neurotic about those things. Don't get me wrong. I love monster movies. But like I'm talking about movies yeah. like The Thing and Alien and yeah. you know things like that mm-hmm. that are like a little bit more. I didn't like like the campy stuff. I didn't really grow an appreciation for the campy stuff till I was older, which is funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just it I didn't like it as a movie. But you were into the Raptors design at the time? Yeah, I thought the Raptor design was super cool. What I was frustrated about is leading up to it, there was so much anticipation. Why do they look different? What is the story for why they look different? Oh, there's so yeah. much going on. I can't wait to find out what's going on. Are people making new dinosaurs? Yeah. Are the dinosaurs changing? What what's uh-huh. going on? In the movie? Oh, we don't fucking know. We just changed the dinosaur, you know? <laughs> It just that, that well, I mean, it would be one thing if they just appeared different, but then the tagline was like something has evolved, you know, yeah, or something to of, that ex- to that effect. So there's this expectation of something. A lot of those taglines were just marketing speak, and then a lot of them were holdovers from just early scripts that were, you know, it's pretty, you know, pretty yeah. well known that the JP3 script, like there was a very different, entirely different story that apparently involved mainland and amongst a bunch of other things where they tossed it like a month or two before going into production and uh, didn't delay the production fast track, brand new and entirely different story about the, you know, crash and rescue, yeah. which uh, I would love. To that's so nuts. And that's actually one of my other questions about, about your continuous quest for Jurassic park three scripts and, and Jurassic <laughs> park four scripts. That, that's I, another, another question down the line but like we might as well bring it up now because it is fascinating like the the untold history between those two things is endlessly fascinating to many of us i mean there are there's we only have little tidbits from interviews and interpretations of interviews so i do imagine there's a lot of misinformation about that stuff that we think is fact Mm -hmm. but perhaps things were a little bit different than we know um but at the same time, we do know from everyone that was working on that movie, like there was just a very different version of Jurassic Park three, uh, and I would just love yeah. it. It's a, it's a part of history now. It's not like it's not scooping a studio or telling a, a anything. It's not like you know anything like that. It's just like it's part of Jurassic history. I'd love to know what that story was. I'd love to know maybe yeah. what made the studio nervous. I would love to, you know, I would love to know maybe just as an alternative, what if, and also how did that organically seed the ideas that eventually became Jurassic Park 3, maybe Jurassic Park 4, um, you know, maybe uh, Fallen Kingdom even. But uh, yeah, yeah I, don't know. I would just I would just love it. It'd be a really cool. We know how wild the development was, especially in JP4. Uh, many, many years of development hell. I would yeah. just go to read those scripts. What was that, like 13 years? 13, 13 years of development, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. An absurd amount of attempts. I mean, there was the... I mean, there are, there was at least I don't know we know the John Sayles script, and then we know that the, we know hard hard fact that Provovich um, did a script in 2011, mm-hmm. then Jaffa Silver in 2012, and then you know well we know the rest of it. But yeah, I would just kill to read those, other than the the uh, the one that's online, the John Sayles script from 2004. Right. Yeah, I really want to read 
I, I, I recall one of the scripts allegedly being about um, unearthing a, 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 a previously unknown species of dinosaur that was then fast-tracked for that development. W- that was the Jaffa Silver script. And, yeah. Uh, that was the uh, Malosaurus, and eventually Malosaurus, they decided to go with the hybrid rather than right. a unknown species. But yeah, that was the Jaffa Silver one. Uh, it shared a lot of similarities. Uh, in fact, they're, credit- they're credited. There's so many similarities right. in the script that they're credited in the totally. Jurassic. I wonder if map Mal, was Malusaurus. Do you think they just like saw a Mapusaurus and like let's just swap that out and make a big you know? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I I really don't know. Like I genuinely don't know what the naming was. Of course. I imagine that Joffrey yeah. Silver and them had probably maybe a reason for it. Um, I, I've never looked into the Latin of it. Is I wonder if there is a meaning to that. Well, Malo. I mean, Mal is typically bad. You know, in Spanish. Oh, okay. Mal is that, no good. Bad. So it's like bad dinosaur. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's funny because you remember, do you remember what the toy was called um, for the Indominus, the code name? It was the uh, Bad Boy Rex. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Not not such a coincidence. That is funny. Um, yeah, I really I, – I, one of my favorite aspects of the whole Jurassic franchise is the mystery of what these animals are and were. And so you're just kind of like tossing a, a line down into deep time and pulling something out and you have no idea what that thing is really. And I think that's one of the aspects of Jurassic that I miss the most these days that um, like dinosaurs aren't treated as mysteries. They're treated as like – familiar comic book characters from the eighties that are then like shown to you in brief moments, you know, like you don't, there's not mystique and there's not like a, a, an animal about them. They're, they're, they're like well-known properties that are brought back. The Jurassic world movies, because they've been so focused on their hybrids being the big, the big, bad, new bad, they've forgotten to make dinosaurs exciting to the viewer. They've forgotten to make the fact that, you know, real dinosaurs, uh, you know, just like you said, bring in that mystery of like, you know, we're cloning this, we're trying, you know, just little things like lines about, you know, we're studying the blah, blah, blah. They've, you know, shown behaviors we never expected. We learned this yeah. about this dinosaur. We found out this one was venomous. We, you know, just little things like that would have yeah. gone such a long way in the Jurassic World films by making dinosaurs still have a sense of mystique. And that way, when a new movie comes up, people will not just wonder oh what's the species name because that's what it's come down to is what's the species name it's no longer like how will this thing behave because that doesn't matter what it's going to do is run at the camera and run at the characters and try to murder them and for no apparent reason continuously yeah Uh, it's like you know it's taken away some of that mystique um yeah i absolutely agree i i think that uh i think that they've written themselves in a corner with that but the thing is is um they could easily kind of get themselves out. I mean, they could just, you know, sort of change the approach and boom, that's sad. I think that it can rebuild that mystique around it. I think so. I think, I think there's still time. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if there weren't that possibility out there. Let me yeah. just say that. Um, so you, you finished, so you had all the involvement with paleontology growing up as a kid. Did you decide to pursue biological sciences um, from so that was, point as yeah. a career path? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I started college, uh, with uh, going for uh, evolutionary biology, uh, kind of, uh, specifically uh-huh. under paleontology. So that was sort of where I was going. So I was going to school for that a little bit. And then, you know, I was taking some side classes in film and some side classes with theater stuff. And just life started doing that stuff you do when you're, you know, I don't know. Uh-huh. And uh, ultimately, I didn't finish any of those degrees. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Everything kind of just started swapping around and 
eventually I, it's hard to explain like what my career path has taken and everything like that. Cause it's been a bit of a, it's been all over the board. How did Jurassic Outpost begin that, that project? So Jack De La Mer created, uh, I think we want Jurassic Park org or some, or, uh-huh. just, or I know it was definitely Jurassic Park org Jurassic Park org Um, and I think when he was 14 or something like that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then he eventually, you know, sort of at first it was like a petition type thing. And then it became like a little bit of like, a, it was a, like, Hey, we want this in sort of like a dance JP three page type equivalent type of deal for JP four. Right. Um, and so in the lead up to Jurassic world, and this, it's all like such a blur to me, like looking back, it's not even that long ago. Like I can remember a lot of things very clearly, but that whole, whirlwind of jurassic yeah. is like so overwhelming that i'm like how did how did that play out like where where was i how did that <laughs> but um i was active on jp toys uh and whatnot and i began posting on twitter and for whatever reason i just connected well with like even people in the, even though i was like nobody at that point i connected well with people in the production and like was just sort yeah. of interacting with it so sometimes when fake rumors were going around i just chime in like hey guys like you know try to you cool it down and so jack had uh-huh. his website and he had brought in assis first and then assis was like i guess assis then was like hey i know somebody else how did they get connected i don't remember that's a very good question i, I i've been told <laughs> it multiple times um but yeah i don't remember but it was one of those uh-huh. things where i think if i recall correctly assis used to write in like like Assis was doing a really good job of like scouring the internet. And anytime there's JP4 news, like even obscure things, he'd be uh-huh. like the first to find it. It'd be super well hidden and stuff, and he would find it, email it into Jack, and Jack was like, "Yo, yo, come on, yeah. come on, join up." <laughs> and I think that's sort of how that went, um, if I recall. And then yeah, I guess like Assis kind of saw that I was doing yeah. similar things with the toys, and then similar things with Jurassic, and then just reached out to me and was like, "Hey, would this be a thing that you'd want to do?" and I guess the rest and of the And it turns out that it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so then we started in, I don't remember what year that was, because that was definitely before um, the movie got delayed. I, rem- I remember writing for the website yeah. when the movie got delayed. Um, and then from there, we were like, okay. Then the, when the movie got the title, we're like, okay, JurassicWorld.org. And then we went through the Jurassic World. And the one thing that kept happening is people mistook us for the official website. And we're like, we need our own name. So then started the process um, after Jurassic World had came out. Yeah, it was after Jurassic World came out. We started the process of uh, you know trying to figure out figure out the rename of the website. And by this point, we had more people as well. You know, I you know I believe that Alex and Ryan um, whatnot. Um, and uh, so yeah, we were all just sort of brainstorming the idea. You know, we're like Paddock Nine, Eastock. Um, Find Nedry. <laughs> um, there were all like all these random <laughs> uh, names, and like there's like Jurassic Outpost and Jurassic like Control Room and Jurassic. Uh, you know, there are a few things, and eventually just Outpost and so on and so forth. And then we renamed the website, and yeah, and then we launched our website, and a bunch of journalists thought it was the logo for Jurassic World Two and the name for Jurassic World Two, and there are all these stories like, you know, Jurassic World Two that. called Jurassic Outpost. We're like, ugh. Uh that was weird um i remember that um but uh yeah so then yeah obviously throughout all this time i've been interacting very strongly with the brand interacting strongly online with the fans the community the community is you know just we're just all sort of geeking out about dinosaurs talking about the movie and then doing things like finding out okay you know 
where is it going post Jurassic? You know, just kind of doing my due diligence back then. And I, you know, I've stepped away from that game, uh, the scoop game or whatever you want to call it, but it wasn't so much like, what's the story about? Yeah. It was more about things like, okay, what's the sustained game going to be? Yeah. You know, it was Dino Hybrid and Raptor Squad yeah. and stuff like that. And I would usually tell people that was coming or, you uh-huh. know, like that's sort of the things I would focus on beer. Like, hey, they're, you know, looking into writing a book or, hey, it took them a while, but hey, right. they're looking into a Jurassic World cartoon type of deal, um, which is now out. Uh-huh. Cretaceous, uh, but it took them a while. There were some, you know, failed ideas in the way along the along the way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just, and then plus, it's being a fan online, and then writing an occasional article that was usually like, I don't know, I, I occasionally would just have a long form article about this or that, geeking out or hyper focusing on a weird detail. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the in general podcast. How did that develop? For like since we like since like. Oh God, I don't remember when the first one came out, but we, for the longest time, we were like, we should do a podcast. And then it just would not happen. And then there are a lot of podcasts on the scene and we're like, is it going to look like we're trying to encroach on like their territory? Is there room for multiples? Like, are we being assholes? You know, what what other podcasts were around at the end? I want to say Jurassic Park podcast. Um, I, I think, Uh and I think just there are other people just in the scene and we weren't trying to like steal their thunder and stuff like that. So for a little, I think right. JP Legacy might have had a podcast then as well. Maybe they started after us. Maybe oh, okay. they started before us. Maybe they never had one, and I'm making that up. Uh-huh. I don't fully remember anymore. I don't remember um, one. Yeah. One just, oh, I swear to God, there was one. I swear. I if there wasn't, I'm sorry. Um, but anyhow, yeah, we just like yeah. we were kind of navigating it, and trying to figure out, you know, hey, how do we go about this? But uh, eventually, we made it happen. I think it was Jack, Assis, and myself all on the first one, and it just immediately became pure shenanigans. Um, like it's those, <laughs> I, I don't want to listen back to them, but uh, we could not stop. I mean, <laughs> listen to me; they, we could not stay on track. Um, we just rambled. Uh, I, I have to say, so like I, I have a love-hate relationship with podcasts, and I would say that the podcast that I've listened to most consistently is y'all's, um, and I, I, I have, uh, I struggle with um, shenanigans and just like uh, uh, what I perceive to be a wasting of time. Uh, and not getting to information because I need information. That's why I'm here. Um, but I never really had that problem <laughs> with you guys. I, I, I just genuinely really enjoyed it. Well, thanks. Yeah, we always I, I, we something that we really need to make happen more often. It's like the thing where like, well, we like we're back after like a half year yeah. hiatus. We're going to be back every week or like we're going to be back every month. And like it yeah. happens twice and everyone's like, oh, f- yeah, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> and it just <laughs> just once again just dies off and we're like oh god damn it well i mean from my perspective i mean for one thing just coordinating with people as life goes on just becomes a nightmare and then two i mean i've noticed like from from jurassic world to fallen kingdom and beyond like you guys are just kind of like well these movies exist (laughs) um fallen kingdom was tough when we all saw fallen kingdom none of us liked it um at all and we didn't want to be like super negative online. So yeah. we were having trouble figuring out what our relationship would be. We all sort of lost the thunder to like post about things and talk about things because, you know, if we yeah. try to do a podcast, it was just immediately like, God damn it. Everyone just like just yelling. You know, everyone was angry. It just wouldn't yeah. be an enjoyable thing to listen to. It was very pessimistic and, um, so that was weird, and I think that is what contributed to the podcast becoming a lot less regular. Um, but it's not that we're not fans anymore. It's just it's been hard to regain that momentum. 
So I, I perceive that as it happened. And now as I am doing my own Jurassic podcast, I am encountering the same issue. And it is very difficult because I, I mean, for the bulk of my podcast, I'm speaking to other scientists and paleontologists and people somehow peripherally affiliated with, with the, the science aspects of Jurassic. And they all have the same like criticisms um, of the filmmaking as well of, as the science and everything else. And so like every time I do one of these episodes, I feel like I'm just like broadcasting a bitch and moan thing soapbox about, you know, the way that these movies have failed us. And it sucks because it's like it's I'm 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 committed to being optimistic and I genuinely believe that there is so much potential here. Um, but it is really hard. It is really hard. I mean, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'll be the first to admit that I haven't been as happy with these movies. I'll also be the first to admit that there's been a lot of f***ing good ideas in these movies. Like Fallen Kingdom, Absolutely. I don't like that movie at all, but I think yeah. it is filled with some of the best ideas a Jurassic sequel has had in its broader um, yes. overscoping story. I think that the idea yeah, was there. It just fell apart on the execution. Um, it was very pretty, though. Yep. Maybe too pretty, though, because a lot of times yeah, the cinematography very didn't focus like serve the scene serve the story kind of yeah 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 yeah. i agree yeah yeah i i actually do i'm one of the few people that does kind of harbor a love for fallen kingdom i'm able to see through it for whatever reason i think it's because i'm i'm a messy bitch and i (laughs) see value in other messy bitches out there (laughs) um but uh uh, yeah, I, I kind of really enjoy Fallen Kingdom. I I, I, I prefer it to Jurassic World. I do think I, I, I critique these movies a lot um, and the teams responsible for them. But I do deeply believe and genuinely believe that there are many very good ideas, like some of the best ideas since the novels in these movies. Mm-hmm. And that I hear every time I hear Colin Trevorrow speak, I'm like, oh, dude, you are a cool, smart guy who understands, mm-hmm. you know, cool things and has good ideas. And then I see the movies and I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah, you know, I think part of it is he has so many good ideas and like it's like enough for like 10 movies and I don't it seems like he just yeah. doesn't want to let him go. So they like a lot of them happen uh yeah. in like one movie. Like Fallen Kingdom feels like it yeah. was two movies or parts of two movies, none of them entirely complete, but um yeah. I don't know. I mean, hell, Fallen Kingdom, Fallen Kingdom could have been Jurassic Park 4 with a few minor tweaks in the story. All you had to do was say the volcanoes were up totally. and save the dinosaurs. Absolutely. They've been left alone all these years. But yeah, like that's the thing is – the other thing is, right. is where the franchise has gone and the movies have gone. My issue is Jurassic World it feels kind of utterly pointless other than introducing the concept of hybrids. But once again, Fallen Kingdom did that. Yeah. So Jurassic World feels right. a little redundant to me. I don't necessarily know what it served in the story of where we're going right now, but I still prefer it vastly to Fallen Kingdom. Really? Vastly, huh? Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Fallen Kingdom is better. What is it about it? Uh, it just... <sighs> Fallen more Kingdom... More cohesive. It's like one movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more cohesive. It's one movie. It's got a really good... Uh, not a really good structure. It's got a good structure. Um, it knows what it wants to be, and it is that unapologetically. Fallen Kingdom thinks it's something that it's not. Jurassic World just tried to be... See, there I disagree. I don't think Jurassic World was trying to be a Jurassic Park movie. I think Jurassic World was just trying to be a Hollywood blockbuster. Yes. I do think that Jurassic was sort of like with everything that his career has faced and the criticisms that he's faced, some of them unfairly. 
I mean, I've read Duel of the Fates, and yeah. it is significantly better than The Rise of Skywalker. Is it perfect? No. There's some big issues, but that was draft one. Wow. I think some of them would have been ironed out. And It makes sense. It makes yeah. sense as a movie. Mm-hmm. It, structurally, it makes sense. Thematically, it makes sense. It's actually something with really yep. cool ideas. The characters it's, make more sense. Oh, my yeah. God. It's, it's such a different movie that it's genuinely heartbreaking because it was like one of those things was like – you know, I get it. It's somebody that's a Jurassic fan that's been like, well, he execute on Star Wars. But like, it's like, no, he really he seemed to immediately get it. He, he got those characters very well. Yeah. And he found a way to pull them together. There's some again, some silly ideas in there. Totally. Nothing as silly as uh, what we got with the Rise of Skywalker. And that, you can kind of feel Absolutely. the studio. I agree 100 you know, percent. Guiding some of those decisions like with Kylo's stuff. You can tell the studio had their. Uh, uh, the oh, yeah. reactive clause in that storyline. How do you perceive the reactive clause in Jurassic? <laughs> uh, I feel that Jurassic deals with it does try to take what people are saying into account, but it vastly misinterprets what people are saying and then applies the surface level critique in all the wrong ways. So it's like, oh, you uh-huh. want dinosaurs to be animals, not monsters. Okay, so we make the monsters in these scenes, and then their friend, their the people's friends in these scenes. It's like no, friends with no, no, no. these ones. Yeah, no, no, no. We don't want a Cynoceratops licking somebody awake during the island blowing up. That doesn't make sense. Um, you can have cute, weird interactions with the dinosaurs like that, but like, yeah. For one thing, we just don't want to see carnivores always act like murder machines, being like dripped on by lava but yeah. still trying to eat a snack you know it's like say did i say carnotarx yeah Car- i try to say baryonyx um but um yeah no it's just i don't know it, it's you can see where the critiques you can see where zara's like the feedback over zara's death um got misconstrued oh, absolutely um, mm-hmm. they got vastly misconstrued so then mm-hmm. it's like they they're only killing off villains it's like no 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 doesn't matter that her death was unearned that's not the problem the cinematic language in that scene is super f-ing confusing to who, to yeah. who she was as a character and then there yeah. was no payoff to that being a traumatic death the movie had fun with it and i'm not saying they can't have fun with it but then they didn't yeah. treat it like it should be something that should be horrific it treated it like it's something the, the viewer should be yeah. like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. eat her eat her and it's like you're watching this if you're going well this is weird what did she do? Like, because the cinematic language was very much like about making the death feel playful and earned, and you'd really only do that with villains. You don't make a death, especially in a Jurassic movie, you don't like like celebrate an innocent person's death. I guess the closest thing that would come to it is the unlucky bastard in the Lost World. Um, but I don't even necessarily think that's played yeah. for laughs. It's just a little. Funny but that's not even David, anywhere close. Yeah, I'd say yeah. the only thing is it's a little funny the way David Kep, uh did the. Uh, the uh, screams as he got eaten. He was having fun with that one. You could tell, you could yeah. tell, and you could tell that they were having fun with the uh, recording there. Yeah, for sure. Tell me about the Beyond the Gates project, if you will. How that began? Um, yeah. So uh, Jack and I, we you know constantly. There's like you know, as you can imagine, there's a lot of toys and stuff that uh, most of the time when toy images go online, it's like you find it on Amazon or you find it on Target or whatever, mm-hmm. what have you. So there were times mm-hmm. that we were, uh, I don't know. Basically, long story short is we were in communications with Universal about opportunities and then in ways to better communicate, like, you know, releases with the toys, among other things. And then and then Mattel was kind of, you know, reached out to us, like, would you guys, like, want to explore doing 
some exclusives that like it's not for outpost really it's like would you guys want to do something like that type of content but for us and then it was then it just turns out it was target's program really is ultimately target wanted was saying hey yeah do you is there a video program that we can do to promote um and excite fans about our upcoming things and that that was such an awesome opportunity to um find a way to inform fans about new items that were coming out, um, show them off for like the proper first look at the first time, show the behind the scenes, making up lefty developers and designers talk about these items in ways that you uh, normally don't get to hear and see things from behind the scenes of the development of these toys that you otherwise might not get to see. So it was sort of like knocking all these birds off with one stone. To be fair, a lot of that came from our own pitch though, because basically they're like, how would you guys do this? How would you guys do this? You know, you know, give us a pitch. I think they gave us a week to give them a pitch. And then we came in with our pitch and then we had to come in with our storyboards and everything like that. And, you know, Jack and I were working tireless, tirelessly because I think the first email came in like, like the final day, the final working day of November. And uh, it was originally going to launch oh, wow. in January okay. rather than February. Um, and then, you know, uh-huh. like our turnaround time was insane. Like, cause we went from like, you know, thinking of what this is going to be having a few pitches working it out storyboarding it then you know working down even further down the line of being like okay now let's make a rough cut of the episode all with storyboards without having product without knowing what an interviewee yeah. is going to say like you know it's just like we really worked through all that you yeah. know we worked with um i think his last name is boat or bot uh lucas bot we we storyboarded we had an idea for a really really exciting cgi intro and we contacted a cg artist and said hey, we got this crazy idea and you got about two weeks. Can you do it? And <laughs> uh, he was like, hell yeah, Jurassic? Hell, it's official? Hell yeah. And um, <laughs> we were nervous because it was a really big undertaking and it was you know something that we're putting a lot of time in what, you know, paying for cg for but it's something that we believe would make a really cool splash and you know uh-huh. so showing it to universal was like a little nervous because we're like what if they don't like it like you know we got this t-rex and we got these gates and like lucas yeah. modeled everything type of deal so like even the gates like every single one of these things just came from our minds and lucas's like hand and yeah. um and even lucas's mind uh, he, he helped contribute to a lot of that and uh yeah we showed it to them and thankfully they're like oh my god this is like way crazier than what we thought you guys were going to do because they're like do you guys need help with anything you're doing or like you got it we're like we got it we got it and then yeah so basically we don't choose the item uh we don't we we didn't choose the name of the show we didn't create the logo of the show um we don't choose the item we have to go through a lot of approvals and whatnot but um it's basically, you know, it, it is our show. They're just making sure that what we're saying is accurate and, you know, makes sense, doesn't contradict right. anything or yeah. doesn't, like, misrepresent the brand in any way. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it's been a really cool experience. I'm not sure if I did a good job explaining that. I kind of jumped all over the board. Um, but you can let me know. I mean, it, it reads as pretty clear and clean to me um, okay. on my end of things. I'm so, it's a curious, I'm so glad it's happening. I think it's a great project. And I, I, I love that Target took the initiative to do that. But it's a weird opportunity, and you're sort of like, how did it happen? I, I mean, I don't quite fully get it. It was like one of those things. It was like it's a like you know we worked at it. I guess it helped that Jack and I. And that's the one thing, Jack. If you don't know, he's he's a filmmaker by trade, professionally. He's worked with studios. Oh, I know videos, shooting oh, videos, absolutely not. So totally. I think a lot of people might have been yeah. looking at that and thinking that like we were just brought in to like host it. 
And it's like, no, 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 no. Like Jack and I are the ones that edit this thing. Um, Jack is a pro at editing. Totally, yeah. And, you know, this whole thing, start to finish, you know, Caleb did the music. Start to finish is like, you know, basically our baby. Uh, you know, it's it's been, we've had a lot of control yeah. over it and it's been really cool to see it come to life. Um, and thankfully, you know, thankfully it's something that Universal has supported, something that Target has supported, Mattel has supported, and it's been a lot of fun for everybody. I love it. I think it's great. I'm, I wish it could have started sooner. Um, sooner. but I'm so glad that it's happening now. It's been really fun. It's frustrating though. I mean, again, I'm curious, I mean, cause you know, we're super fans. So like mm -hmm. I spent waste so much of my life on stupid Jurassic bull, but, uh, I'm curious, like, like, cause like product images come out like months sometimes before started. it's announced on behind the gate. Yeah. It's never been the plan. It's never been the plan. It's like always, it's always like I a know, week and a half. but it's like, it's, behold, this thing you've seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like a week yeah. and a half before <laughs> the episode goes out that it leaks, like that it's leaked. Yeah. And it's like, we've already uh -huh. cut and we've already turned in our finals and everything like that. And it's like, we're already like, we're excited to exclusively reveal this blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm writing, it's so funny. I'm writing the cheesiest scripts for myself. And I don't know why, because when I'm reading these lines, I'm like, who wrote these lines? I'm like, I wrote these lines. They're so it's so cheesy. I keep writing myself these really like, oh, what the hell did I say in the Raptor one? Well, I, I don't remember, but I said something incredible. I can relate. I do that to myself doing the podcast all the time. I'm like, how the hell? Why did I write this? Am I a crazy person? Like, what's the disconnect here? Like, I but, love alliteration. I'll put like three P words in a row. Oh, yeah, I do that. <laughs> I write just the cheesiest stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's been a it's been a fun time though, but it's been difficult. Let me tell you, it's difficult to. I'm filming with a DSLR camera and my own sort of janky lighting setup. Yeah. I had to like build a set behind me, get all these plants, figure out a design look that I thought would actually be approved uh -huh. by Universal. You know, something that actually it looks great, works. Yeah, yeah. Things. It was. We were so stressed going through. Yeah, that. you nailed was, it. You nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Jack and I yeah. were like, we're like looking at like shiplap online. We're like, hey, we got to build a wall because otherwise my house is filled with white walls. And I'm filming in my house because it's COVID, and you know, it's there's all these things and I, yeah. then I have to focus my DSLR on where I'm going to be standing and like walk 20 feet to it and then like adjust it and just align. So that stuff has been a, been a challenge, uh -huh. but yeah, I, I would definitely like if some of the stuff didn't leak, but I still think that we're showing, we're still showing off the first proper like look of what these things actually look like in hands. And personally, I think that some of the promo images don't really totally. look that great. So seeing what they really look like, or, you know, Agreed. maybe some most of the time for the better, Maybe sometimes for the worst, uh, stripes, you know, <laughs> you know, the stripe of the Jeep or whatnot, yeah. seeing the real yeah. thing sometimes. But for the most part, I think that we've yeah. shown that these items look great. Um, and I think that's excited a lot of people. And that's, you know, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't, if I wasn't ex excited by it and didn't believe in the items for the most part. Um, you know, I think that absolutely. Some, not all the items I get it. Not all the items are collectors focused. Like the Raptor squad set definitely doesn't feel as collectors focused. It's a little bit more casual friendly. I think it's going to do great with uh, kids and moms and whatnot. Yeah. But I understand most of the super fans watching the show probably want more things like Collect the Amazon are not collection. really yeah. interested in that. Yeah. 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 So I, I do get that. Yeah. I would love to be able to do more than toys. You know what I mean? I'd love just to be able to talk the design, you know, have yeah. more than a two and a half minute show, but they, neither here nor there um yeah i guess it must be frustrating when you are like behold and then like you know all the super fans have already seen it for like you know weeks and months um yeah that 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 that's got to be um disappointing but going back to um being critical and also being involved in this capacity i know that you have been um uh, critical of the amber collection um mm -hmm. for a couple of reasons um as many have um, how do you 
as someone who's like kind of like in, it, basically like the the spokesperson for the brand in a way, how do you navigate that kind of having that type of critical perception within that space? I yeah, I don't know. It's been really weird. It's been something that I've thought about a lot and been just like it's sort of like oh, this is a little nerve wracking. Um, but. I think that the only way that my relationship with, especially if I'm doing something forward facing with the super fans is I think I need to continue to be earnest and honest. Um, so I, I think, you know, for a little bit while there, I was a little nervous, but I realized one of the reasons why, you know, us as people, filmmakers working on beyond the gates, universal is hundred percent on board, but it is one of those things. It's like, well, can you present? Um, and then what's the context? What's the contextualization of you being a presenter and whatnot? And it's something that Universal wanted right. and they liked the idea of is they're like, well, the community does have this relationship with you. Um, so if you do keep it earnest and honest, um, that, that, that could be something that's important. Um, and it's something that's weird. And it's something that I, you know, I struggle with because it's like, you know, I saw the stripe and I went... I thought I had a production error, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, but no, you know, choices are made yeah. in toy development to keep things at a certain price and whatnot. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the story is there, but obviously it wasn't an error. So totally. what else yeah. would it be, really? They didn't remove it because they yeah. stylistically felt like yeah. it. Um, you know, just that's just yeah. the truth of it, and it happens. And then the Amber Collection is interesting because it is the price of a collector series, and it is a collector series, but for Jurassic Park, classic Jurassic, for a Jurassic World fan, it might be hitting all those bells and whistles and check marks for you. But for a Jurassic Park fan, when you want the Jurassic Park Velociraptor or whatnot, it's, I don't think it's quite there. It, it needs, I think, well, we need Jurassic Park accurate sculpts. I think that we need more, and then we need more sculpting detail on the, um, the actual sculpts so they read better because they're very detailed, but it's all fine detail, so it's hard to see. I think accentuating them just to read yeah. at a smaller scale uh, would do wonders. Yes, I know that's even maybe less accurate, but just making it read a little bit more would – it's when you look at NECA, um, uh, what David Silva does. It's, it's well, you could argue that they kind of did that with – that you could argue that they kind of did that with the first Jurassic Park Raptor. They went for like a more uh, – like – like the brown, just the brown palette, like a straight brown palette, which is how people perceive it in the movies. But in reality, the actual coloration it's, was significantly different. So like that is complex. an attempt that they took for that. Yeah. So that's an example of them doing that. And I don't think it really worked out that well, no, uh, personally. No. It, I, I definitely, well, cause it's missing the little details. Like, you know, okay, well then get the color around the eye. The fact that the lip has like yeah. dots and whatnot. And these aren't things that are uncalled for because you look at other collectors and that's the problem. It's inevitably, going to be compared to the other leaders of the market in these realms and Jurassic Park fans especially yeah. are going to be picky and then the other issue is as we've seen it looks like maybe uh, style guides and whatnot for the classic films aren't as detailed as they are for the modern films so you'll have things like really detailed and proper like mm. Baryonyx toys and then things like the Jurassic Park Raptor the first time they released one it was green um, so it, it's things like that that you realize that uh, they're yeah is uh, less, it's more of a challenge. So I think that you're always, that's just where it just needs to go further. It's ultimately, I mean, I think I've seen Brad saying it online. Yeah. Um, that the Lost World Raptor just is like, it looks beautiful, but it just doesn't look like the Lost World Raptor. And that's fair. That's fair. It doesn't. Yeah. That, yeah. That's absolutely fair. The Trinidon looks great though. 
it looks so good. When I got that, it was like one of those like, oh man, if this is the direction that Amber Collection is going, I see a future for it. For a long time, I was like, you know what? I was worried about it because I didn't feel that it was really engaging the super fan well enough. And I worried that it would be a uh, mm-hmm. investment issue for retailers and maybe take up shelf space that items that would do better and that also are more appealing to collectors uh, would be kind of knocked off. So I was yeah. afraid that it could become an issue for the brand. Um, so uh, it's one of those things I think this we're, we're going to have to see how it goes. But I think if we get more in the direction of the Tyranodon and taking it further than that, you know, making the detail read better, I think yeah. that we'll be in a good spot. Um, how do you feel? So like I saw that they are pulling the um, the design of their Cacarodontosaurus from Jurassic World Evolution, which given their history with their original sculpts, I was uh, thrilled by. Um how, what is your relationship with 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 that sort of thing? So something that I've been outspoken about is they are struggling with proportions. The heads are getting too big, the tails are getting too short, and it's making the di- dinosaurs just look like an entirely different art style. They're not looking Jurassic anymore, yeah. and it's it's. Uh-huh. I think it's like almost like they don't realize that it's not an art style. Um, like that some like the earlier dinosaurs yeah. they made some compromises f- to fit them into the box. And as time's gone on, it's like the right. as new designers come into the brand. It's like it's becoming more and more an art style. Um, I'm not a fan because I don't find them recognizably Jurassic, all of them, when they do that. I feel that that's something that's working against yeah. them in that regard. So it's something I would like to see. Like, you know, just let's remember what these things look like. Jurassic more or less should look real. They should look like like animals. When, when you're talking about the original sculpts or when they're adapting from Jurassic World Evolution to the figure? Well, okay, so with Jurassic World Evolution, the Carcharodontosaurus, it's nice because they had a, they they were able to take a 3D model, basically, and it had the right proportions. They reworked it into right. the toy. The, you know, the tail got shrunk a little bit, but overall the proportions are modestly there. Like, they look proper for a Jurassic Park toy. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I get that. Sure. I think yeah. that that is a benefit but they could do that with their own stuff um the, uh, the issue is is like it's almost boring though it's like we've already seen the design why not like i if the designs aren't canon either like say this is a toy based off a of jurassic world evolution or do your own thing like i think it'd be really cool to call it a jurassic world evolution toy yeah. my worry is is we're gonna stop seeing unique designs like as we saw takara tommy is doing an amargosaurus and it's mattel's design of the amargosaurus and now takara yeah. tommy's doing it and i'm like but they also just- did uh they also did a dinochirus that was i think collecta's design which is very yeah. weird it's it is very weird um i i don't know what's going on very there weird. but it's not the first time that we've possibly seen like asset sharing within the Jurassic brand. And I'm seeing that more now. And it's like, yeah, it might be a bit boring. Like let's keep Canon designs Canon, but like let the toys do their own thing. Hopefully they adhere to the art style, but like, I don't necessarily want to see everything like, Oh, we've already done it on Mar- Oh, you guys want to do an Amargosaurus? Well, we've already done one in this toy line. So just use that design. Well, that's boring. Cause that's not the Canon design. That's just them creating their own design. I like it, but that's just them creating their own design. So let this other team create their own design. Cause there's no real Canon. If you want to think of like a proper homage and a call out and whatnot, like the Mattel Amargosaurus or, you know, Jurassic World Evolution, uh, Crocodontosaurus, yeah. but without that i'm just worried that we're going to see like a lot of regurgitated designs at that point i hope not um, but if they do an evolution line yeah cool as hell. it would be cool it seems very unlikely um there is sort of like a, so like you know cartoons are made to sell toys ultimately so i mean that is like a big part of i think why 
Camp Cretaceous is here. Um, but again, they 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 changed the Monolophosaurus. So like you can tell that they they wanted the Monolophosaurus for like to pick a toy to put in the show, but then they changed it. So it's like interesting to me how this I, is going to go moving forward. I genuinely I was so shocked when that trailer came out. There's Monolophosaurus because yeah. I thought it was just. A, they have a long history and this is totally fine. It's totally valid yeah. to fill out the toy line with stuff that aren't in the uh, films and whatnot. Right. But they have a long yeah. history of that. So when there was like Kenji and Monolophosaurus, I'm like, well, you know, they probably wanted a, you know, medium sized carnivore and that was there and there wasn't really anything in the show. So yeah. I just thought it was like a toy filler. Um, and then it was in the trailer and I was like, well, this is cool. Um, but very yeah. surprising and weird because Monolophosaurus has no, prior canonical connections to Jurassic yeah. World or Jurassic Park and it's like if you wanted that size but Proceratosaurus it, did Proceratosaurus kind of similar and it looks kind of similar and was in the original park and this thing also seems to be in the original park so it would have been a great way to just tie that together but they I, didn't I yeah I don't I, I I'm confused by that like I don't want to okay listen I don't want to bitch and moan about them creating new yeah. dinosaurs and whatnot yeah, but no, at no, the no. same time no, no. With the premise of what Jurassic World 3 is and the fact that the floodgates seem to be open for like whomever to make dinosaurs and whatnot. And yeah. so that means we can break away from the canon of the dinosaurs within the parks. Why add something completely left field when we have all these dinosaurs that we know about that have never been depicted? So why not actually start determining the canon designs for some of these other species that we've never seen, like Troodon, um, Suchomimus, Proceratosaurus, Metricanthosaurus, um, the other small Herrerasaurus, Herrerasaurus, yeah, everything like that. Like I would have rather them pulled from one of those species and like finally been like, this is the canon design. Um, and if they so chose to yeah. pull reference something else that's already been made from it, cool. As long as they weren't forced to, as long as it was like a choice, like you know what, we really like that design that Jurassic Park the game did. Let's pay homage to yeah, it, yeah, yeah, and not like, well, we already have a Herrerasaurus in this completely uncanon thing, but you got to use the design. Hopefully, it's not anything like that. And speaking of canon and toys and, and cartoons, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I I loved season one of Camp Cretaceous, and I I think I I think it gets Jurassic and is able to do Jurassic better than either of the movies had a chance to do at this point, in, in my I, opinion. Um, and I then agree. season two came out, <laughs> and I really enjoyed season two, but it also felt like it was pretty divergent from the reality we had become established with. And oh, yeah. um, I know it's supposed to be canon, and I don't understand how that how they're going to reconcile that. I don't know. For me, the only personally. way that I can <laughs> reconcile the only way that I can reconcile Camp Cretaceous season two is it's let's pretend the campers get rescued and it's them retelling and embellishing their story and eventually when the series yeah. ends like it's going to cut away to a room with them like telling everybody and then someone's going to be like yeah you know we yeah. definitely didn't ride on the back of that ankylosaurus during that explosion and i definitely don't remember you flipping out hand sanitizer like ben you did not fight off toro with a spear you know it's something like that you did not jump on toro's head you know you didn't communicate with bumpy yeah. the way that the show showed it um which again, it's fine uh -huh. to have that relationship. I think that's a cool idea. Or like, you know, Bumpy didn't get that big that fast. You're exaggerating. I think that's the yeah, way that you right, reconcile right, right. those things. Um, and that's I, my own head cannon for moving forward. But it seems like that may not necessarily be the case. I don't know. I don't know. Let's just hope that season three is a return to form with from season one rather than being season two. And season two maybe yeah, will just stand so. out like the weird black sheep that it is. 
And I think if that happens, people are going to be more confused by season two. And I think that some people are like, oh, I don't get it. I don't get why you don't like it. But I, well, let's just hope that people maybe will go, you know what? I get it. Season two was really weird after all. Yeah. <laughs> Very different than these other two seasons that feel. You know? It was really weird. It, it did really cool things though. Like it's the first, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it the first time that someone shot and killed the dinosaur in the Jurassic it is. franchise? In and the it's just funny. Canon? Yeah, I, saw a lot, I saw a lot of people saying like season two was super dark. I'm like, it wasn't super dark. It was super cartoony. It was like, I guess it was dark in the way like a G.I. Joe comic or like a 90s like goofy cartoon but it, it wasn't adhering to our world at all so not none of the reality felt the, the characters weren't dealing with as heavy personal themes they seemed to backtrack on some of their character development and become more trope filled um there's just like a lot of things like that where yeah. just didn't there wasn't a semblance of reality mitch and tiff and whatnot they were um so cartoony it just didn't it felt so weird as a cartoon tonally it could have been okay but i still don't think this overall story structure of season two was there either so it just it didn't have much to say. Yeah. But it did shoot and kill a dinosaur for the first time on screen and then decapitate it, which was yeah. so left field. Yeah. <laughs> um, it didn't. I don't know. I have a theory and this is completely unfounded, possibly untrue. But my theory is maybe Dominion's delay saw some big story changes for Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous because they kept talking about tie ins. So maybe things were going to go very yeah. obvious in a direction. Yeah. Where like it's too soon. We don't want people knowing about this. Maybe season two yeah. had to be rushed out and it maybe is a JP3 thing where it's like the elements of season two are all throughout there, but the way it actually right. connects with the story just isn't. I don't know. It's weird. It's strange. I yeah, like I agree. And I kind of had a similar feeling. Yeah, I don't like uh, – my, my biggest issue with season two though was the cryogenically frozen mystery monster in the locked uh, broom closet. Like that – that really hurt me <laughs> just because I don't, it's just so cartoony, you know, it's like a Dr. Right. Evil coming out. It's, 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 I don't, I think it just would have worked better for her in a cage. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, I think that would have, and also just on like a broom closet. I think that the concept is fine and I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, but the visual depiction again, let's just call it to, you know, let's chalk it up to like stylistic showcasing or whatnot. It's like, oh yeah, that, that's canon, but maybe the yeah. way the show depicted it seems a little cheesier. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, like that was that storage. was the. I don't know. Um, what would you like to see in your heart of hearts in the future of the franchise? What What is your ideal moving forward? Pachyrannosaurus. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you were so close. Like, I know. Well, I'm so glad that we were able to get that name changed. Yeah. It was going to come out as Pachyrannosaurus until everyone yeah. like saw it. And they're yeah, like, yeah. What the f I mean, it, it took throwing a fit online to get that one. But um, uh, but that's another that's instance of them just like like blatantly copying an existing 3D model of a of a dinosaur species and just one to one translating it into a Jurassic Park species. It's like. It's what is this? Well, the thing is, you can see the elements of Pachyrhinosaurus in the Cynoceratops design. There are many Pachyrhinosaur elements in there, so you can like see it. It looks like a, ultimately, and this is the canon. This is you know when you're supposed to talk about Cynoceratops yeah. and their stuff. It's it's an amalgamation of DNA. Um, but the problem is, is, the reason why it's canonically an amalgamation of Ceratopsian DNA. That's in the canon. Yeah, it's okay. uh, it shares it shares a lot of different Ceratopsian DNA. Um, 
it was very incomplete. Okay. Um, Pachyrhinosaurus was the number got one it. contributor outside of Sinoceratops. Ah, <laughs> uh, got it. Uh, it seems but, to have a liberal amount of rhinoceros DNA as well. Yeah, I think that the marketing team heard rhino and probably were just like, well, why doesn't it have the horn? And then eventually just, again, I think some of these designers and whatnot don't necessarily know dinosaurs. So it gets so far removed from the yeah. uh, the real thing. And they, they keep forgetting that other dinosaurs exist. So when they change these designs, they're not thinking yeah. of like, well, what other species might this look like? Or what are, what are the species defining characteristics? What are things that we can't change? Like if yeah. you change it, what puts in an entirely different evolutionary mm-hmm. branch? What makes it in like, you know, short, you know, short frilled yeah. versus long frilled ceratopsia and everything like that. Um, they're not thinking, they're not remembering that these are real animals and they share many cousin species that look similar, but quite different. And they kind of forget that there's just not like one. So you can't play fast and loose. And you also can't play yeah. fast and loose with it. The more dinosaurs you put in this movie, um, the more carryover of traits there's going to be. So the more important it is to focus on yeah. their very distinguishing traits. And I think they keep forgetting that and keep putting themselves in corners where people are no longer able to identify the dinosaurs because of some of that bleed over. Um, there's too much al- amalgamation of these animals where they just kind of get too much softened out and they become, you know, dinosaurus Rex homogenized into yeah. spiky monsters. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. So it, it goes without saying that you, you would like to see less of that in, in yeah, less future. of that. Um, I think I would just like more character driven, uh, stories with a little less machoism. Um, Owen, I don't really, mm. I, I don't really fully get him as a leading character. I think that he works really well as like a leading supporting character, but the problem is we don't have anybody leading mm-hmm. in front of him with more to say. Um, and now Owen could be yeah. a really interesting character. He's this guy that works with raptors and trains raptors. So he could have provided us, the audience, a unique relationship to tell us about these animals and learn these scientific facts and build this mythology right. around this prehistoric creature and then his unique relationship. But we really totally. don't, we barely scratch the surface with it and we really don't learn anything from him. I mean, Grant is constantly, you know, having these moments of like awe and wonder where he's like, Oh my God, this means this, this, this. And he's, this is all, oh, it's all coming together. This is Owen gives us that opportunity yeah. to hear things like that in theory, but he doesn't seem to have a unique relationship with the dinosaurs. He's more of just like a guy that had a personal bond with his animals that he trained not necessarily from a scientific viewpoint though more of an absolutely i mean he's a military background yeah. and he reads as someone with a military background that's dealing with animals in a military capacity but like he, still not someone who's more si- he still could have had more scientific input and he could have still had like a deeper connection I, I don't disagree yeah yeah he still could have a deeper connection to the park and the island and whatnot he could have been our the problem is they, we have Claire and Owen, but neither one of the, them are really informing us, the viewer, of anything that's interesting and unique. They're not saying things like the geothermal plant, blah, 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 yeah. with the volcano. There's no sort of world building that also build these characters and kind of tell us like, oh, these people matter. So mm-hmm. as a viewer, I'm going, well, why do they matter? What, what, Why is it these characters? That's, that's where I'm having the trouble connecting. They're interesting characters, but I don't think they're fully defined. No. And and their their roles in the stories are are kind of um just just by design really like it, it doesn't really make like claire's uh change from from rest of the world to kingdom is just claire i think was a knee-jerk reaction to the criticisms of sexism which again yeah. i'm not saying that you shouldn't have a reaction to criticisms of sexism the problem is is the way that 
they interpreted some of those criticisms or the way to execute on it. It's like they didn't think that they could have a businesswoman that's colder. It's like, well, no, you just pay attention to your depiction. Um, and you also show that that's not necessarily the problem. The problem wasn't who she was. And they took it as like her job title and her personality trait as being the problem where it's more of, well, then on the other hand, you have fans complaining that she wasn't that interesting of a character. So then it's like, you have a lot of criticisms yeah. of their depiction of the character, which were valid. Um, and then you have a lot of fans yeah. that weren't really engaging with the character. So then it's sort of like, what's the fix? And they try to turn that she's this different character and we don't get to go on that journey with her either, which is the sad part. Cause no. going on that journey to seeing her from one character become that character would have been really, really compelling and interesting. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's what we want to see, yeah. really. What should have happened in Jurassic World, but that reads really. to me like studio feedback. I don't know that, but that reads to me like studio feedback. Um, to be honest, honestly, eighty percent of what I see in these movies reads to me as studio feedback. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just that's the only. It seems like the studio's just at the wheel, just like doing this thing. Um, but anyway, I mean, what, what else would you? But that's uh, part of the job like description is is being able to properly apply studio feedback, yeah. and it's not like other franchises aren't getting it. If you don't notice it, that doesn't mean it's not happening. That means that they just stopped yeah. the landing. There, there's merit in studio yeah. feedback. There really is. It's just a difficult sphere to yeah. manage, and sometimes there can be you know power. It just gets complicated. I don't think I need to tell yeah. anybody that. I would. I am excited to see. Well. There's so many things I'd want to see. I'd like to get back into the grittiness of the science. I'd like to learn both in the science of what is a world with genetic um, manipulation like. I would like to maybe find different reasons for people um, cloning dinosaurs and studying dinosaurs other than uh, entertainment or militarization. Mm -hmm. I think entertainment makes a lot of sense. I think militarization doesn't necessarily make as much sense as they think it does. Um, I think that medical and... Um, you know, like pharmaceutical uh, interests would be, you know, interesting and agricultural. Um, so I, I don't know. I'd like to see getting into the science. Also, what is a world with that type of genetic technology? What else are they doing with that genetic technology? Mm -hmm. I think that Maisie is a very good example of something like that. Um, you know, get, get into the weird Crichton stuff of what is a world with advanced gene editing um, mm -hmm. and, you know, these mega corporations that can do these crazy things. What does it start to look like? Keep the dinosaurs the fun, like the focus of the camera, but expand the focus of the story into other realms. Um, find ways to incorporate the dinosaurs and keep the dinosaurs as animals. I'd like to see yeah. a return form there. And good ways to remind us of that would maybe be like if dinosaurs are in our world now, um, maybe let's see a dinosaur being hunted by an extant animal, something that's supposed to be around, you know, mountain lions or whatnot. I think that that'd be interesting to see that the, the rules reverse and remind us that it's... They are animals. Yeah, yeah, and also treat them as an... I don't know, there's a lot of opportunities there. And ultimately, I think isolation and unique environments play a big role in a Jurassic movie. So even if they're on mainland, I think that building a sense of isolation with the locations and also maybe showing us unique environments so it's like not so much a real place create some sort of fictional place that exists in the middle of some other place type of deal. I would like to see the, I don't know. I'd like to see some unique ideas. I always thought it'd be cool. Like what would happen if uh, dinosaurs, like eventually we see them on a boat in the Arcadia and uh, fallen kingdom. But like, what would happen if you're following a crew that had like three velociraptors that got free on like a, uh, a cruise ship or something like that, but it was like a skeleton crew or something. You can have that like or a cargo ship carrying an yeah. adult tyrannosaur across the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, I'm sure that was brutal and quick, but uh, yeah, I, I still don't know how they. I still think there are raptors on the boat, but um, uh, you know, but yeah, no, I think that you could write a like some. I would like to see like what would a small story look like, um, 
you know, where it's not big and explosive, but very small and personal. Um, yeah. What would the alien of Jurassic or a quiet place of Jurassic look like? I mean, the alien would probably be another hybrid movie. I guess I mean something more of like tight, like a like a small amount of crew, small close quarters, like rather like, you know, not so much big explosive action pieces, but more of just like that intense and um, intimate feeling and intimacy. I think something that made Jurassic Park so special. And what happens if you really like bottle that into something like what if you just like take like two little elements and just like really get into like could an intimate just with like two velociraptors and a small skeleton crew could that work yeah i'd be interested to see if yeah. it could um that's not For necessarily sure. I where i could. want it to all go but i think that could be fun yeah show me something i'm not expecting i guess tv i would i i've said this before tv is where it's at um mm-hmm. i would love to see dan trachtenberg do a movie like that i i i yeah. really love 10 cloverfield lane and i think yeah. that he would be so well suited to doing a movie like that yeah no i that would be really i would love that um there are quite a few people that I'd like to see, maybe see what their take on Jurassic would be. But yeah, something smaller, something more intimate, I think would be a refresh from the really big explosive movies and yeah. maybe a way to kind of focus on characterization and maybe iron out the relationship and the motivations of these dinosaurs in within the film. Yeah. Um, then yeah, TV. TV is a great space to explore really deep developed characters. And I think that Jurassic, uh, the demands of films in today's market maybe it's harder for a Jurassic movie to do all of that. So I think that TV would give it the playground to get into the gritty science and the gritty characters because TV audiences are a lot more forgiving. They don't, they don't want a big choppy, choppy, choppy blockbuster. You know, they don't need it all. Then and now an explosion. Yeah. So I think TV, I I really hope that they, I really hope that they manage to get that, uh, sorted out because I think there's a, a lot of potential there. Um, yeah, I, yeah, like there is potential. a ton. Uh, I would love, yeah, love, a ton. love, I, love. I'm, I'm curious about the budget, though. Like, I, I, there aren't, I mean, I, you look at um, HBO, and I guess it can be done. Like, they, like the, the, I watched um, His Dark Materials. I watched the whole first and second season, I, like, a month ago. Some of this, se- by the way, the show's great. Um, if people haven't, it's I, great. did you yeah. like it? I loved it, yeah, yeah. yeah really good. Um, the CG is fucking incredible. It's incredible. The animals look incredible. So like I, I, up until that point, I was like, how are they going to get animals to be a regular feature of the show and not like blow up a budget beyond comprehension? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I mean, if HBO can do it with these little critters, like I don't see why, you know, another yeah. platform couldn't. And another thing that could help is if you had uh, animatronics that you're able to keep reusing. Oh, yeah. I forgot about those things. But we do know that animatronics can look bad, even if the animatronics look good uh jurassic park 3 is a good example of amazing looking animatronics but you also have to know how are you including them and how you're filming them and the problem is is they just film them in the worst lighting worst camera angles just had the spinosaurus come you know it's just uh, you gotta use it right or else the audience is going to be like this looks silly Mm -hmm. that's a challenge Mm -hmm. i'm not saying the animatronics are like the you know the cheat sheet but i think it is a valid way but cg's for sure. Um, what about outside of just uh, media, film and television? What about like oh other God. applications of the IP? I, w- I really wish that we would see. Okay. So, I mean, are we talking like, are we talking transmedia then? Like things like books and everything like that, video games and whatnot? Are we talking? Anything, literally anything. I would definitely like to see just a lot more sustain. I would like to see an actual hard canon universe that uh, everything is tying together. If there's a book, it's actually made sure that it 
adheres to the rules. It gets the facts right. And it's encroaching in space in the way that it won't be contradicted by film. So they're smart about the stories mm-hmm. that they tell and everything along those lines. Related question. And I think you've spoken on this before. What is your percent? I perceive, so like being obsessed with Jurassic, being obsessed with media and sociology and, and, and uh, like observing people's behavior and the relationship with media. I see Jurassic being very close in terms of, uh, like deep nostalgic and emotional connection as the previous generations were with Star Wars. Like I see that with our generations and it doesn't have the deep lore and like the flexibility of like magic and wizards that Star Wars has. Mm -hmm. So it's like a little difficult to really maneuver that into a bigger character driven story. But I do think that there is like almost as much potential there to, to be explored. And it seems like universal slowly, getting to that point, like slowly kind of realizing what they have on their hands. So, yeah, I, so I've always said that like the Jedi and the Sith and the mythology behind them, you know what that is for uh, Jurassic in a lot of ways, it's the different variations of the dinosaur, like the myth, the living mythology, I should say, they're not necessarily the the founding mythology, but the living mythology would be why do these dinosaurs look different? And I think that that's sort of yeah. Jurassic's like spaceships and it's Jurassic's, you know, mythology as well of yeah. these different variations of these dinosaurs. And there's so much mystery. The Jurassic Park movies did a very bad job of ever giving answers there. And I'm not yeah. saying everything needs answered, but I do think it's time like the franchise and brand as a whole should be acknowledging its variations of the dinosaurs. Yeah. They should have official terminology for the different variations of Pteranodons, whether it's like Pteranodon version one, version two, yeah. tribe yeah. one, tribe two, uh, create names for them. I don't really know. That's it. That's what they need but, to do. Like, yeah. But it's time that this franchise acknowledges its entire history and starts building a mythology around it. I think the yeah. fact that if we could actually talk about the different Pteranodon designs and being like, oh, I wish that they had real names and that we could say, oh, I wish yeah. – uh, I would love to see what happened if the Pteranodon type 1 met Pteranodon type 3 and you know, yeah. et cetera. Same with Velociraptors or like what if the tribes that we see in Jurassic Park in the Lost World, that's you know one type of Velociraptor. Yeah. What if they met the tribe that were introduced to the different right. type of Velociraptor in Jurassic Park? three um yeah. or like what if they could mate like what would their like what would the you know babies look like you know yeah. what would this mixture of the lost world Jurassic park look the tiger striped males and the jp you know the more yeah. unitone uh females and versus then the you know ornate jp3 raptors what would what would a crossbreed those look like would the male you know would the males come out with like quills and red cr- red crests but like tiger yeah. stripes in like a purple color i don't know like it could be just I don't know. It's just, just so well, many opportunities. How are they going to navigate? Like, so like they, they, they put so much emphasis on the Indominus being the first um, hybrid, but uh-huh. it's clear that all of these animals have been hybrids from the beginning. So that is going to be a confusing space. I think to, to verbalize and articulate, I think. I think it's best to move away from the frog DNA aspect. So sexual heart hermaphroditism and everything like that actually exists in nature outside of frogs. Um, yeah. And it most likely would have been, uh, well, we see that birds and reptiles are capable of it, which means mm-hmm. probably they share a common ancestor, which means that that common ancestor also then obviously would, those traits would exist yeah. in dinosaurs, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Could call it genetic instability. Obviously there's frog DNA. We can't deny that, but I wouldn't necessarily right. lean too heavily on that being the explanation for everything. Um, it's different yeah, but I mean, there's clearly different variations of these animals being developed and they don't 
look different for no reason. Like that genetic material is coming from somewhere, you know? So it's time to figure that out. Are the JP3 Raptors, are they different because of the DNA? Is it different because of the way that they did it? And when I say the DNA, do they have different Raptor samples? Are they actually different subspecies of Raptors? Are they different? um, Are they just different species that they sourced all together? Is it, different filler DNA that they're putting right. into it? Uh, is it a different methodology that makes them more pure? Like, I don't know what it is, but yeah. they need to put an answer to that for sure. But I still feel sure. like that's different than hybrids because it's hard to explain, but like, it's like hybrids are trying to, they're like not trying to fill in like the common traits. They're trying to fill in the, un, you know, trying to take uncommon unique traits. It just seems like a natural progression of the technology to me. It's Mm -hmm. like, sure, we've been doing this as like a makeshift effort to produce these products. What if we do a purpose designed? We only have X amount of DNA from these 10 species. Let's take these parts and see what we can do with it. You know, like that, that kind of seems like what, what happened with the hybrids as they are like the genomic mapping got so progressed that they were able to do a purpose designed hybrid yeah i think that they were looking for similar dna when they're filling in the gaps in the past and now they're like what if we take very dissimilar dna right very clashing things and can we make it mend together and i think that's the way that you look at hybrids. the way they filled in the gaps with dna in jurassic park was they were trying to find things that were just the right you know, just able to make it work, just so close right. that it was able to make it work. And Jurassic World, when yeah. they're making hybrids, they're just, they're going bad crazy and it's working. What is your greatest fear for the franchise? My greatest fear, I think, is when Colin leaves, obviously somebody else is going to take over. And in the interim, I think the studio would have to fill in some of the leadership roles. And I think that we might see heavier leaning into mm-hmm. some of the tropes that I don't like. Um, that's not to dock the studio. It's just like, yeah. what, like, okay, what's marketable? The hybrids, what's marketable? The Raptors, the military, you know, right. like it just without, yeah, I don't know. It, it might just be a misread on the direction. I, I hope that somebody comes in also and tries to engage because there's not like a Jurassic brand team or a Jurassic story group or a Jurassic brand Bible or anything yeah. like that. Whomever and comes in. And there needs to be like five years ago. <laughs> oh yeah. There absolutely needs to be that thing. But yeah. So my worry is whomever comes in, yeah. assuming that Colin does leave, um, is will they do their due diligence because it's not going to be handed to them on a platter and it's going to be very easy to go wildly off course and feel more like the alien franchise rather than something deeply cohesive like Marvel and star Wars that, uh, you know, really feels like it's yeah, yeah. all, you know, part of the same thing. So my worry is we yeah. might go like a little down the wrong road there. That's my biggest worry. And it's not, not a dock against the studio or anything like that as much as there's just not, there's not those, um, there's no the training wheels are, don't exist. Uh, there's uh, totally no easy cheat yeah. sheets, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's going to be sort. Of, I mean, there's going to be things there to help, and there's going to be a lot of that, but not the level that you need. It's right. just, there's not the level that you need with a story group, yeah, like that. And if they, I mean, if they really want to value this product, I feel like they really need to invest in that because, like, they can do a lot with this <laughs> if they get it yeah. right. I absolutely am there with you. I think that there's a lot of fun things that they can do. So, I. I, whatever happens with the the future of the brand, I hope it's closer to Jurassic Park in the sense that it tries to keep it grounded to reality and make it character driven. Mm. Um, I think that I would yeah. buy hybrids and militarized dinosaurs even more if they had just kind of stuck closer to the tone. Um, 
but I'd rather they don't go down uh, too much of that. I, I like dinosaurs. That's what, you know, it's one of my things I love is seeing real dinosaurs. Or- well, that's the thing is that like, that's why this works so much. Cause we love dinosaurs. Like it's not because we love like dragon proxies. It's, we love specific dinosaurs. You know, yeah. these are like archetypal creatures that we love for a reason, for specific reasons. I, I'm definitely there with you. And I understand that not every Jurassic Park fan is like a dinosaur fan, so they don't really know it. So like they're not necessarily as put off because they're not engaged. But at the same, pi- same right. time, this is a dinosaur franchise. What is the one unique thing you have with this franchise? You have dinosaurs. You're the big franchise yeah. that can do dinosaurs. Yeah. Who knows dinosaurs more than anything? Kids. Is there an unadapted concept or sequence from the Crichton novels that you are still waiting to see adapted? Um, There's a lot of scenes. There's a lot of stuff in the Lost World book, obviously. I would like to see the concept of the way that they're doing with the lights and the two two Carnotaurs, how they're sort of standing there and just acting weird like ambush predators and everything like that. Would you keep them as Carnotaurus if you could? um, only, Only if the design changed because I think that scene works so well because you don't exactly know what it is. So I think that it has yeah. to be somebody else, like a new Carnotaurus that's doing that. So it still has that mystery of what the fuck is it? Um, but it has to be a Carnotaurus? doesn't have to be a Carnotaurus. Um, it could be okay. – I, 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 would, I would lean heavily into a more reptilian dinosaur. Um, I wouldn't go into the more avian uh-huh. dinosaurs, which again, I'm very pro putting feathers in the movie. I'm not as uh, oh, yeah. rigid though. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I say go fantastical totally. with the design. Look at some of the birds that maybe don't necessarily yeah. make sense. But you want to make the audience – yeah. There's two things you want to do with feather dinosaurs. You don't want the audience to look at it and go, well, this is the exact same thing I'm seeing, I've always seen, but just with feathers on it. And it's so it, yeah. I would rather it be scales. So you'd want to do something entirely new where yeah. it, it's depicting dinosaurs new, in a whole new yeah. light. And also you want to wow the audience and, sh- and ignite their imagination. So show them things with feathers, like the way birds vibrate their feathers and they make them look weird yeah. or the way that it can totally. change. Yeah. We know yeah. what – we are so used to the silhouette of a dinosaur looking like one thing. So what if you just ch- – vastly changed the silhouette of a dinosaur with its feathers and its feathers only so it's a soft tissue design yeah. and that way you can do all that weird to these dinosaurs and make them look different and then do things like the feathers fan out like a harpy eagle or whatnot like go yeah. crazy with it put these designs put the feather dinosaurs in their own box be fantastical with it and ignite the imagination while also staying at least true to science in the sense that technically something like this could exist um and there's there's space exactly it just needs to be plausible because we there's so much space to take advantage of like that's what's so frustrating for me is that you have so much creative space and you don't take it don't do the deviant thing where you've seen the thousand feathered raptors that sort of look like a jurassic park raptor but like has feathers on it and it's just like okay Uh cool it's like jurassic park raptor but with some feathers on it don't do the thing where some museums do it and the dinosaurs have long downy feathers that look like sickly and they look like they are like have mange or something like that don't do that it's just not gonna look good yeah Um, yeah, yeah. it's jurassic park play with it you know evolve the feathers it's basically like okay what if we keep true to the dinosaur science but maybe say the feathers were more evolved uh you know they had more time to specialize yeah or maybe some dinosaurs might have been like that and then also just keep the reptilian dinosaurs in there as well and do them all in different ways and do different things and make distinguish their patterns of behavior, the more bird-like dinosaurs versus the more archaic dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, find unique ways to make them all cool, fill these unique roles and have fun with it. Um, yeah. Where I was going with that though is doesn't need to be a Carnotaurus, but it should be something striking. Something spiky or something with a very unique silhouette, something very um I mean Cryolophosaurus immediately sprung to mind. Yeah, that would be great. I also like 
I, I think of like a, a ambush predator, and I don't know necessarily if that body plan suits that sort of thing. Like Majungasaurus, maybe that's a freaky looking weird little guy that kind of looks like it could have that type of Majungasaurus. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah, you could really lean into like the weird, especially if you really made the head properly narrow and sort of like yeah. you know the bulldog like kind of yeah. I don't know. You can have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. Majungasaurus could be fun. Yeah, and I would lean in like instead of going like crocodilian with the scoots and scales, I would look at. <laughs> other types of reptiles i would go yeah. really heavily with the pebbly scales those beautiful ornate patterns mm-hmm. or you know maybe look at geckos either yeah there's so many cool yeah. reptiles out there with unique scale patterns and we haven't seen them on a jurassic dinosaur yet and if they want to break away from leathery skin we just get these, leather pretty much we yeah. get leather or we get crocodilian scoots um is really what keeps happening yep. so i would like to see yeah let's go with some really there's some really cool almost fantastical like scale patterns on on reptiles so let's throw that on some of the dinosaurs that would for have sure probably been scaled um you know, go with some of the there's more archaic you know abelosaurids or maybe allosaurids or things like that have fun with it but show us something unique but also stay for sure but almost be like what if crash mccreary did that style because i think crash and stan and them all sort of created such an art style for jurassic that hasn't been reflected yeah, it's like it's like Ralph Macquarie in Star Wars. It's like mm-hmm. it established a certain tone and aesthetic that needs to be continued forward, but adapted and evolved, Adap- but needs to stay at the core. We can see unique things, and hell, I'd like to see things like I, we, we haven't really seen a proper quadruped. Um, I, I think that would be cool. We I know post- a proper what like a quadrupedal um, carnivore. I think. Oh, that we aside could, from like the Indoraptor. Yeah, but it was kind of quadrupedal. I mean, like, let's look at some of the kind of, uh, yeah. obviously not dinosaurs, but maybe like Caprosuchus, Postosuchus. Yeah. Um, Postosuchus probably wasn't mm-hmm. a, probably wasn't a quadruped though. Um, I think no. that has changed, but it once was. So maybe look at that body type. Trying to, I'm trying to think of what yeah. species <laughs> have a similar skull structure and that were still quadruped. Play around with that. Uh, let's you know look at yeah. some of those more classic archetypes of those dinosaurs like if they want dinosaurs being really reptile and lizard like well let's look at the ones they're not dinosaurs but that's never stopped them with pteranodons and other animals um so look into them let's tap into some of those other things which we're seeing uh lystrosaurus uh we saw colin trevorrow shared in jurassic world dominion the lystrosaurus so that was a complete Mm -hmm. left field surprise Mm -hmm. and i am so for it we obviously can't see the face but it looks like the design and animatronic looks good so it's pretty good. Yeah, I, again, I have like I wouldn't have started this podcast if I weren't feeling somewhat optimistic about the trajectory and potential. So yeah. um, I, I try to remain optimistic and I try to remain forward thinking rather than backward thinking. But invariably, these things come up and they need to be addressed because I don't really think that they are addressed to the extent that they should be. It's weird. I'm outspoken and I'm critical, but I feel like I stay positive. I mean, I my, my relationship with After Fallen Kingdom was a little difficult, but my relationship is very positive. I'm very excited right. to interact with the brand. Sometimes I think that I would work better um, behind the scenes with less of a public face because I have so many things to say and so many opinions that sometimes it's easier just to find a proper outlet for that um, on the back channel without just sort for of sure. being like blah, 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 on Twitter. Um, but, yeah. you know, yeah. it is what it is. It's complicated and unique and always a fun challenge. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for sharing your Saturday quarantine night with me. I really appreciate it. And thank and you. so many other uh, nights via the, the Jurassic Outpost in general podcast, which w- has been a delight for many years for me. Well, thank you. I, I we need to, uh, I need to, uh, Jack, Cease and I need to talk and get that thing going somehow. I 
just <laughs> I'm not. Te- I said this at the beginning. I'm not technically proficient, so it's like one of those things where I'm like, guys, I'm not. Right. I, I'm not taking point on this. Like, I also can't. You hear me? You hear my yeah. ADHD kick in? I cannot lead a podcast without a script, and I don't like yeah. to be scripted. If I have to be, whatever. But yeah, so like, I've tried doing podcasts, yeah. and it's, it goes off the rails. Yeah. Well, I've I've loved them all, and I and I'm glad that they exist as they do. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we always have fun. Well, that about does it for this week. I really sincerely hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you did, may I ask you to like, subscribe, follow, leave a review, tell your friends, post about the show on social media, etc. Also, if you have any particular concepts or ideas you'd be keen to have explored on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm very open to those sort of things. I would love the chat. Regrettably, there will not be a new podcast episode next week. However... In lieu of a new episode, I will be editing and posting extended video versions of the three most recent episodes of the show for the uh, Neo Jurassic YouTube page. Uh, I'm really far behind on that, but it is it is it takes a lot to edit like two hours of uh, a video uh, podcast interview. It's tough, uh, so uh, that will be happening next week, and then we'll be resuming the show uh, the following week as it typically does. Until then, though. <laughs>